Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Thursday, October 6th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Leah Mallory. And I'm Jaya Joyce. Now let's see what's what in the city. New York is taking another big step in the fight against monkeypox. That's right. The NYC Department of Health and Mental Hygiene is expanding the group of people eligible to get the vaccine. There are now 30,000 new appointment slots open for people who believe they've been exposed to the virus through human contact. Over 95,000 vaccine doses have already been administered in the city, and New Yorkers are advised to continue getting vaccinated. Appointments open today at 4 p.m. You can find vaccine locations at vaccinefinder.nyc.gov. A sit-down protest has led to the suspension of at least 50 Amazon warehouse workers in New York. The workers protested following a trash compactor fire at the Staten Island facility. The company paid daytime workers for their full-time shift despite being able to leave early due to the 4 p.m. fire, but incoming nighttime workers were not given that option. Instead, they were told to come back to work after fire officials cleared the building, but many were still concerned about safety. The workers intend to file unfair labor practice charges against Amazon with the National Labor Relations Board. Woodside residents in Queens have been without hot water and heat since Tuesday due to an outage caused by low temperatures. A rally was held Wednesday by city and state lawmakers to bring more attention to resident concerns. In response, the New York City Housing Authority says they've spent over $1.4 million to fix the boiler. They now plan to upgrade the hot water system in each building of Woodside Housing. New York City taxis might start getting more expensive. Yep, a hearing was held this morning to discuss a new proposal to raise trip rates for the first time since 2012. Advocates argue that the increase would benefit drivers who have suffered from inflation and higher gas prices. Comic-Con is back in NYC. From today until October 9th, fans can cosplay, catch screenings, meet their favorite celebrities, and more right at the Javits Convention Center in Manhattan. Some special guests include Moon Knight's Oscar Isaac and Sebastian Stan from The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Tickets are available on the Comic-Con website, so don't miss out on this exciting event. And now, let's head over to WFUV's Sam Bohr for the latest sporting news. Thanks, Leah. Golden State Warriors player Draymond Green reportedly punched fellow teammate Jordan Poole at practice following a verbal fight. Both teammates seem to be physically unharmed, but the team has not yet confirmed whether or not they would be punishing Green. Allegedly, the fight was the breaking point of what has been a tense preseason for the Warriors after many players had noticed a change in Poole's attitude. If they choose to suspend Green, it will be the second time he has been suspended for a conduct violation against a fellow teammate. Hockey commentator Paul Bissonnette remarked on a national broadcast yesterday that attractive players were responsible for roughly half of the female viewership of the NHL. He made this comment in regards to Dallas Stars player Tyler Seguin during the Stars versus Colorado Avalanche match. Though this may have been an offhand comment, it reveals an underlying attitude about female involvement in sports that is still years behind where it should be. Do we have the latest on the Mets? I know the playoffs start tomorrow. Yes, they do, Jaya. Mets player Jeff McNeil won the MLB batting title yesterday, leading the league with a 326 batting average. This is a feat in and of itself, but this is especially wild when you look at McNeil's career. He didn't play high school baseball until his senior year, was a 12th round draft pick, and made his MLB debut at 26. But none of this matters now as he has secured his spot as the second batting champion in Mets franchise history. 
With WFUV Sports, I'm Sam Borer. Thanks, Sam. Every month, we give you an episode from Fordham Conversations. This week, WFUV's David Escobar sat down with Ron Goldberg, an early organizer with ACT UP New York. They discuss Goldberg's new memoir, Boy with the Bullhorn. Could you just give the listeners kind of a little overview of the book that you wrote? Um, The book is called uh, Boy with the Bullhorn. It's a history of ACT UP New York, which was the AIDS activist group uh, still going, but uh, when I was involved. And it's also a memoir, sort of an activist education. So it's sort of what I learned from the experience and how it changed me. Can you just talk a little bit about maybe some of the fond memories that you had during that time in your life? The ACT UP experience was the most difficult, the most rewarding, the most intense, the most devastating, um, as one can imagine in the middle of the AIDS crisis. But I think what the book captures and what I tried to get across is sort of the density of the experience and the idea that um, even throughout all of this, I mean, you read AIDS memoirs and they're tough, you know, and honestly, and they should be. But there was also, at least within ACT UP, just this incredible joy and sexiness and fun and camp. And activism has that. You don't have to be an expert to be an activist. You don't have to know the questions. You don't have to know the answers. You just have to show up, really. Mm-hmm. And if you continue to show up, you will learn. You know, why did you get started in that movement? And what like got you in the door? And why did you want to be part of ACT UP? I grew up in the, the 60s and 70s, really. Jewish kid on Long Island. And so my father fought in World War II. And the idea of the Holocaust was always sort of very present. And you're growing up, you're wondering, oh, how would I have, you know, acted if I was there in, you know, Europe? Would I have, you know, fled? Would I have you know, joined the resistance? Or even just basically in the struggle to survive, would I have behaved nobly? And growing up in the 60s, there's the civil rights movement. There was, you know, would I have been a freedom writer, right? And AIDS was that moment for me. This was six years into the crisis. So there was just this energy. I stumbled basically onto my first meeting. And just to be in that room was astonishing. It was just, there was such passion and such intelligence and such smarts. And, you know, and the guys were cute. I mean, let's be serious. But all of that, and it was just like, wow, I, this is, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I need to be a part of. You talk about putting on the performance and I was reading up about you and I do have to ask about the chance because City AIDS care is ineffectual thanks to the heterosexual. How do you come up with these chants? Okay. Um, <laughs> and also just to scan it, right, is City AIDS cares ineffectual thanks to Koch, the heterosexual. Mm-hmm. So you got to get the rhythm. The rhythm, but, yes. Um, <laughs> very precise on these things. What we were doing was scary. So part of it was just getting the emotion going. And if you did, you know, 50,000 dead from AIDS, where is George, which was George Bush, people connect to it and it creates this, power. What do you feel that queer people in the 80s that were protesting, especially during the AIDS epidemic, what do you feel that they brought to like the activism game that you just haven't seen from any other activist group? I I think there are, I think what we brought was uh, a media savvy that was really unique. We had a lot of people who were involved in advertising and graphic design and all this sort and, and 
you know, all sorts of other very creative forms. There were always posters. There were always images. We also had an inside-outside strategy. We learned about the system. We learned how drugs were um, were uh, evaluated at the FDA. We learned how they were tested at the NIH. We learned how the city bureaucracy works. So when we were talking about AIDS housing, we could talk about you have you know, these many houses, and this is what you're doing, and this is what you're not doing, and these are what these people need. We studied the issues. I mean, the whole point of the book really is to get this message to younger people, to students, to get and to get this history, the history of AIDS activism and AIDS into the canon of, of American history. We will not be written out that was WFUV's David Escobar talking with Ron Goldberg about his new book, Boy with the Bullhorn. Fordham Conversations enlists the help of the Fordham community to discuss issues that impact our world. And that's our show for today. I'm Jaya Joyce. And I'm Leah Mallory. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.